As we go uh, today and we finish up uh, talking about our love, live, lead, today we're talking about leading intentionally. Lead intentionally. Now, as soon as we use the word lead, a lot of times people uh, want to take that and they talk about, well, Sean, I'm not, a, I'm not a leader. That's not my disposition. I don't have that kind of, uh, you know, the way my makeup is and everything. But we're not talking about leaders, okay? Now, again, leaders are important and there is a shortage uh, that we need leaders. But here's the thing. If everybody's a leader, who's a follower? If everybody's a leader, who's a follower? When we talk about leading, we are talking about, uh, we are talking about here, it's the example that we are called in this moment. Think about this, the Good Samaritan. What do you know about that that throws you? When you, when you, when you think about the Good Samaritan, what about that parable sticks in your mind? Hmm? To help. Does this, and, and watch who helped. Watch who helped. Did any of the religious people help? The social outcast that everybody hated is the one that helped. When we talk about lead, we talk about in this moment, how do I set an example? If I say I love Jesus, how do I look like Jesus? How do I begin to lead other people to Christ? How do I lead people to Christ? With what I say, with what I do, with how I act, everything about it communicates something about Jesus if he's Lord of my life, correct? So we talk about this. I want you to go today, if you've got your Bible, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 is where we're going to be um, and I'm going to read through that verse, and then we're going to kind of go through the end of chapter 2 and parts of 3. And before did we do that, let's, let's pray. Father, again, as we come before you this morning, Lord, it is all about you. It is all about everything you have done, who you are, how amazing you are. Father, we come before you this morning. I come before you this morning, Lord, as a broken vile person that has no business being in front of other people, being able to do these things. Lord, none of us deserve to even be in this room right now acting like somehow what we're doing is really absolutely perfectly glorifying to you. Because Father, in and of ourselves, by ourselves, we are vile. But Lord, we thank you for Jesus that you make us 100% acceptable. You make what we do a pleasing aroma as we engage with you, dependent upon you. You are the one that makes everything right and holy and blameless and perfect. So Lord, as we come before you, continually come before you today, Lord. May we do it with intentions, Lord God, that are about you being known being glorified, lifted up. Do your work within us. May your Holy Spirit move as, as he sees fit. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. Let's read 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, 
are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, in breaking some of this down, we go back. And so the Apostle Paul has dealt with the Corinthian church and he wrote the first letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And as he wrote that first letter, he was addressing all the ways the church was totally out of order, totally out of order. And so he addressed those things, uh, even somewhat with love, but harshly in calling them back to order within Christ. And so as they began to move the Corinthian church, uh, they got so corrected that they went a little overzealous. And so Paul's trying to bring them back. Let's come back into where we need to be in the center of following Christ. Not extremes, but come back to following where you need to be. Well, as he's doing this, uh, one of the things that happens to Paul, and this happens throughout uh, the scriptures with Paul, Paul seems to be in a constant um, fight. Either those that are preachers, teachers that are followers of Christ and talking about how his ministry, Paul's ministry was worthless because he's in jail and he's going through all this and who's he to say? And all these other people, they, they are esteemed and they have money and they don't have to work to make their way through. And, and so he's dealing with other believers in jealousy, but then he is dealing with Judaizers, people that are saying, well, Jesus is good. Yes, yes, yes. But you also gotta follow the law. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah, that stuff's good. But if you don't have the law, well, you're nothing. And Paul had come back over and over again and saying, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. It is faith in Christ. But as he has gone through this, he didn't plant the Corinthian church, but he's an apostle to it and talking through it and talking to them. He's addressing some of these things of people coming at his authority, telling the Corinthians, listen, you don't need to listen to Paul. You, you, you don't need to listen to Paul. So as Paul comes in, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, where Paul begins to address some of this. He says, for we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Paul begins to tell them, we're not just these peddlers of God's word. We are in Christ called an apostle by Christ to begin to preach these truths, these hopes and the power of Christ. As he goes on, he begins to use the illustration of Moses and the Israelites when they had received the Ten Commandments the second time. What happened the first time? Moses came down. People were in the midst of worshiping a golden calf. Moses was so frustrated. Through the tablets, they break, right? Goes back up. But as Moses goes back up and he does this again, he pleads in intercession for the people and pleads for the people. But God ends up giving him second set but as he's been in the presence of God, all of a sudden, he's got this radiance on his face. The Shekinah glory is what they call it, the Old Testament. And so the presence of God, because he's been with him, his face is glowing. And you would think after all the things the Israelites had seen, that they'd be like going, whoa, this is amazing. 
But in Exodus 34, anybody knows what happened? How did the people respond to Moses? Well, you can go back and read it because it's amazing. It's a good thing. Whole Bible, read it all. Exodus 34. Here's what happens. When they see Moses in his face shining, they didn't get all excited. They were like going, ah, cover your face. We can't handle it. No, we, we cannot handle this. It's overwhelming. It's scary. And so Moses, when he would speak to the people, he would uncover his face and he would speak to them, telling them what God had said. But after he got done, he would cover it. Then when he would go into the presence of God, he would uncover his face again and he would speak directly to the Lord. But the people, unless Moses was talking to them, they asked him, cover your face because we can't handle it. This is what he said. Now, Paul, as he's talking to the Corinthians and he's talking about these these different Judaizers and these different uh, false teachers that are coming in, Let's go down to 17. Second, oh, never mind. Ha <laughs> ha, I just said that. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 3, 7. It says, now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed in glory. Now, what does this mean? We know that the law is good. Paul tells us that. We know that it's good because God gave it. But when he gave the Ten Commandments, the purpose of the Ten Commandments, and this is where people get it wrong, the purpose of the Ten Commandments was not for us to sit there and say, oh, look, look how amazing I am. I did such a great job. Right? Because when I say, well, I've never lied, you're a liar. Right? Whenever I say, I've never put anything before God, but yet you only find hope if you've had your chocolate for the day. Right? Like we find these things that we think are not a big deal, but we're like going, well, I'm not somebody unless I have this or I'm not. That's idolatry. The Ten Commandments were not given as a a list to be able to say, look how holy I am. It was given to us to say, I broke that one, I broke that, I broke that, I broke that. Oh God, help me, what am I going to do? It was to turn us to God. But it got hijacked by our pride. But even though the the law is good and it has a sense of glory that God gave it, But that sense of glory is nothing compared to Jesus Christ fulfilling the law as our Lord and Savior. There is a glory that's even beyond the law that Paul was trying to tell them. There's a this is glorious. This is more glorious. We are not, this is a good thing. This is an excellent thing. He reminds them of this over and over again. He goes into this, go go down with me to 312 through 14. It says, since we have such a hope We are very bold, not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Now, I'm going to admit to you right now, there are things that Paul writes that just absolutely confuse me. There are things that I read with Paul and I go, "Mm, what is he talking about here? 
And so I sat with my wife this week and I was like going, I'm gonna read this to you. Let's, let's just go through this right now. Like I read all these commentators, I read all these, I'm just trying to understand what, is this, what this is right now. When, we, when it says this, it says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses. Now, there are some people that will, commentators that will say, well, Moses actually was scared that the people would see that the glory was fading, so he hid his face so that they would not see that the glory was fading. And, and I've read people that say that, but you know the only problem with that theory is it makes Moses a deceiver. Like Moses' whole ministry, we've watched his integrity, and we know he blows it, but his whole integrity is he's scared that the people are gonna see the fading glory. No. The people were hard-hearted. Moses in this moment said, fine, you don't wanna handle it? That's fine. I'm still gonna preach. I'm still gonna tell you. I'm still gonna go on. But if this is what you've chosen, then when it's done, you won't see it. That was Moses' type of boldness. Our boldness ends up being what Paul's saying is this. Paul's saying, but we preach it open. We preach it in, well, no, let me take that back. I knew I was gonna get this wrong, wife. I knew it. That's why I get confused with Paul. That's why I get confused with Paul. Paul has a way of telling people this. If you're not going to see the glory of God, it's as if you have a, I don't want to see the fullness. I don't want to see what's going on. I don't want to see the fullness and intimacy of God. The veil shows us in this moment that there are some people that don't want to know God and what he wants. They only want to deal with what they want to deal with. Give me the rules. Give me the ideas, but don't put me face to face with God. That happens in our churches too. Give me the rules. Let me come to church every Sunday. I don't miss. I go to this and I go to that. I go to all the activities. Oh, but you're asking me to what? what? Change my life? No, no, I'm, I'm good with my task list. I'm, I'm good with what I, and we miss the fact that what God has given is not a bunch of rules, but a way to intimately know him. There's no other way. He tells us this. It says, yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. When one finally gets past the point of saying, it's not about what I'm going to do, it's about what Christ has done, I'm desperate for him, then the veil is removed so that we can see God face to face, just as Moses did. Just as Moses did. Now, how does that apply today to lead intentionally for us? How does that apply to us today? As we read through again, 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I'm gonna ask three questions today to kind of lay this out. But the, fir the first question is this, 
Who is called to lead? Who is called to lead? Hmm? Thank you very much. All Christians. How do we have that? Look what it says here in verse 18. And we all. It's not talking about apostles here. It's talking about the body of Christ. And we all. Sorry, I got lost. Here we go. We all with unveiled face. If we're in Christ, there are no barriers between us and the relationship, which also means this, we want whatever Jesus wants to give us. That's what it means to become a Christian. To become a follower of Christ means I want it all. Even the stuff that I disagree with. Why? Because this flesh is dying. My emotions and attitudes only think about me and what's self-serving. But in Christ, I am dying to self and raising anew. I am learning what it means to be different, to think different, to love different. There is no veil between me and God. I see him face to face. Every single Christian is called to point people to Christ. Now, here's what I run into often. When I start talking to people and I'm like going, you know what? Somebody will say, you know what? I'm just, I just get so frustrated with this and I get so frustrated with that. And I guess, well, you know what? It, that, that's just who I am. And so that's just, you know, so it's like a pass, right? It's, it's just a pass. Who are you called to look like? Who? What excuse do you have? Zero. But what about? Zero. There is nothing that we can look at if the scripture's laying things out that we're able to say, I'm the exception to the rule. You know what that is? Idolatry. I'm the exception to the rule. I don't have to. I, if Christ calls us to do something, we're called to look like Christ. In everything. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Spirit of the Lord. The second point where are we leading? Where are we leading? Individually, if it's every Christian, then where are we leading? The Bible tells us more like Christ are being transformed into the similar image. What's it say? Same. Same. How many of y'all struggle with looking like Christ? So here's the question. So does that mean I struggle, so I don't even have to try anymore, and I just plateau. I've come to a point, I can't get any better than this. What do we do? You tell me, what do we do? Seek the Spirit's guidance. Seek the Spirit's guidance. Repent. Learning to die to self daily. And realizing this, it's a journey. It's a journey. 
I love the fact of reading through the disciples and they blow it a lot. I mean, a lot. I got tickled because somebody was looking at me one day and they're like going, you know what? I used to think the disciples were these amazing people until I read the Bible. (laughs) And I was like going, it's amazing what happens when we actually read it. When we read through it, we go like this. Peter did what? James and John did what? I mean, what, what's wrong with them? And then all of a sudden we're like going, oh, what's wrong with me? Me? But if you think about Peter when he started out in his ministry, he was brazen, some ways arrogant. The disciples were given all this authority and power to go and minister to people. And at times they hijacked it and couldn't do the ministry because Jesus was like, you can't do that unless you're in prayer because it's about relationship. You're making it about your power. You've totally missed it. It's about knowing God, the veil coming off and being able to say, Lord, it's you, it's you. But the responsibility is that once I'm in Christ, guess what? The call that God has is for me. And I am called to look like Christ. What would happen if your job was no longer about just providing and being happy? What if it became a ministry field where God specifically had you there in order to proclaim him. And that was gonna be how you found your joy. What would happen? Lots of transformation. You might. You might get fired. You may see a bunch of people that come to know Christ and their lives are changed. Then all of a sudden your inheritance is not your 401k, but all the people that said, thank you, first and foremost to Jesus. Church, where are we leading? We are called to become more like Christ. Attitude, action, the way we love everything more like Christ. I'll even throw this at you. Christianity has got to quit being conditional. Christianity has got to quit being conditional. What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. Oh yes, I follow Jesus. Supposed to love my enemies until he's a jerk. Once he hits jerk mode, I don't have to love anymore because he hit jerk mode. What did Jesus do on the cross as they were yelling at him, taunting him? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Listen, absolutely, a principle is to follow Christ and everything else, uh, but this gets in the way. There is no no such thing as conditional Christianity. We've made it up. Give me salvation, but don't give me any transformation. 
that's not in the Bible. It's not. You can't get to heaven without knowing Christ. And to know Christ is to be in relationship with Christ. If you're just using him to get out of hell, good luck. Good luck. Doesn't work that way. It works because of knowing an intimate relationship with God and saying, Lord, you have chosen me. You love me. You care for me. Everything about me is being, and Lord, I want to know you more because you've given me everything. You've loved me deeply. I want to know you more. Who is called to lead? Every Christian. Where are we leading? More like Christ. Now, some of you will have specific ministries and things. That's great, but let me share with you. Don't ever get your ministry confused with your relationship. Your ministry may go south. You may struggle. You may be frustrated because there's no production. There's no this, there's no that. That has nothing to do with your relationship with Christ. You keep your relationship with Christ, you'll be amazed at what happens. But you make it about your ministry, you're gonna be sorely disappointed. You're gonna be sorely disappointed. What's the last thing? How do we get there? How do we get there? It tells us in this, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, beholding the glory of the Lord. And look at the end of the verse. It says, for this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Beholding Christ. As we are in relationship with Christ, seeking to know him deeper, more intimately. See, we sometimes, we get it confused. We make our morning devotion about a checklist. Did I do it? Instead of, did we really spend time with him? It's kind of like if you get together with your family and you're like going, we're gonna, we're gonna make sure we have dinner every single night together because we just need to make sure we have dinner. And you sit down and everybody's on their phone. What did you just do? What did you just do? You had an idea of being together without even being together, Right? Or it's like you're saying this, you know what? As a family, we're gonna spend, we're gonna go to the movies. And you go to the movies and then it gets all warm and it gets nice and you get in there and all of a sudden you're like going. You ever, ever done that? Boy, that's, a, that's the most expensive nap I've ever taken. You know it? It's, it's quite frustrating. But my point is this. We just went through the motions of it and not the reality of it. Beholding Christ is about intimately knowing him. First and foremost, receiving him as Lord and Savior. But second, daily, moment by moment, desiring to know him, be with him, to be in his word and not just memorize, not just to go through a morning devotion and check it off, but to legitimately say, I have been in your presence seeking your face. I'm bad at memorizing scripture. Why am I gonna try to memorize this? Not so I can be better and be checkmark at how smart I am, but to say, God, if I hide it in my heart, I want to know you. 
beholding, to be able to look into God's face and say, you are holy and awesome and I want to love you with all that I am. To be able to look at the scripture, to be in the middle of prayer and then all of a sudden to say, and I don't live up anywhere near what I'm supposed to. But then to have a great confidence of, but you've paid the price and I'm accepted not by what I've done, but by what you have done, Lord. This relationship that God continues to work on us. And watch this, as we behold, and it's interesting that that Greek word, uh, as it talks about it, it talks about the idea of a mirror, a reflection. So as I am staring into Christ, unveiled, fully gonna take whatever he is, that as I look into him and see him, that all of a sudden the very presence of God, of course, it's greater than Moses because we don't have this that radiates off of us. He lives inside of us. And as the Holy Spirit, as he lives inside of us, by the way, he's not an it, He's a person. As the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and as we're in intimacy, not letting sin get in the way, repenting when it does happen, confessing when it happens, being obedient, doing the things that God has called us to do, not by my power, but by His, the work of the Spirit. Then all of a sudden, when people begin to look at me, they begin to say, why do you act like that? In a good way. In a good way. We're in our life group today. Casey McCrary brought out an interesting fact that she said, you know, she goes, I deal with some people at times and the idea of death gets brought up and she goes, whenever I talk about death, she goes, I'm like going, I'm, I'm ready to go. She goes, and I always get weird looks about that. You know, when you start to say, I'm okay with living out of this world and dying, and you don't act depressed when you say it, and you don't hate your job and hate people, but all of a sudden you're like going, no, no, I'm ready to go. And all of a sudden they're like going, but they show up on time and they don't leave early and they end up working hard and they love people and they can't, what? Why? Because Jesus is everything. He's everything. When we behold Christ in this relationship, then all of a sudden, how we live reflects out and people see Christ. And we don't get the glory for it because I know what a wretch I am. I also know that I'm a saint, not by what I've done, but who he's called me to be. See, church, What are you doing intentionally right now? What are you doing intentionally right now? Like, what's your life right now focused on intentionally doing? Is it what Christ would have you to do, or did you set your own agenda? How do you look? What's your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? What's that look like? Because I'm going to tell you right now. If you say, oh, yes, I'm honoring the Lord, and you got no patience and you got no joy, 
You got no self-control. You know who you're not spending time with? Where I started out with God versus where I'm at now should look different. Should it not? If it doesn't, why not? I'll make it really easy. I'll tell you why not. Because you are not seeking after God. You are making it conditional and saying, God, I want you, but on my terms, instead of saying, God, I'm yours on your terms, 100%. Dying to self, raising in Christ, it is all about him and what he's done and who he is. Where are you leading? What are you leading? What's going on in your life? Dangerous thing. Anybody have any thoughts? Sean, you're not supposed to do that. We just sit here, okay? We just sit here. We wait to our time so we can go eat. Don't ask us questions. And no, we don't speak, so... Church, I'm going to encourage us as I'm encouraging me. It's all about knowing Jesus. It's all about seeking after him. It's all about in this moment everything that he's done and that our lives are his to deal with, with how he sees fit. And we would be amazed at how Christ is. We will lead people to Christ when we're intentional. You want to see people saved? It's not about how eloquent you are. It's not about do you have the right answers. It's how much, where are you with walking with God? Because he'll give you a heart to love people the way that he loves people. But if it's a task, you'll miss it every time.